Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you very much. It is really good to be here. Um, good to see you. I love this. Great venue. Eh? It's looking awesome. So well done and uh, so many people. It's really cool. So uh, I'm going to be preaching this morning from um, 2 Chronicles 20, if uh, you'd like to turn with me, if you've got your Bibles or phones or whatever. So Gabe, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, I really do count this as an amazing privilege um, to be here and just share with you guys. Um, this morning, I'm going to work my way through this story um, in 2 Chronicles 20. It's a great story. Um, it's, it's one of my favorites. And... Um, yeah, and, and just as we read through it, I'm just going to comment as we go. So um really want to trust that God's Word um, comes alive and that faith gets deposited in, in hearts um, and that you guys walk away here from this morning with courage um, and just the knowledge of the fact that God is for us and He's leading us. So um, verse 1, 2 Chronicles 20 says, After this, the Moabites... And Ammonites with some of the Muonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. And uh, there's three nations that's coming from all different sides. And they're encroaching. They're coming um, to attack Jehoshaphat. And, and it's quite significant to realize that Jehoshaphat is actually a good guy. He, he's, he's an amazing king. In fact, he's described um, earlier on in 2 Chronicles 17 as being like David in his former ways. So before David lost his way, like he's like that. Because I think sometimes we, um, you know, we have this notion that when, when, when bad things happen or when we face battles or when there's a calamity or a trial, that, that you get those, I don't know if there's a better word than idiots, but people that would come and say, you know, is there maybe something that you need to you know, just sort out, confess, you know, is there... Like, don't do that. He's a good guy. He's facing a battle, and and very often you you face a battle not because you've done something wrong, but because you're doing something right. God actually knows you have something within you that you can go through it and be a a testimony of His goodness, and that He will use situations like that for the good of His name and for people to come to know Him. That's why it will come your way. Um, then it says, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from, uh, sorry, from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. The reason why that's there is basically to say, they're like on our doorstep. Like they're coming from those neighboring kind of nations, which is quite a distance, 60Ks or whatever on average, but they're right here. That's like saying we 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 uh, life changes and 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 Wellington, Paul, and Franchuk have decided they're going to come and attack us. Gabe is Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and they like whatever Plattercliff Road, Canal Walk. They like they like. They're about to get to where we are. 
It's not just news that they have intention of coming. They, they, yeah, they're like on our doorstep. And, and then let's see what Jehoshaphat does. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. I mean, if we had more time, we would do that, surely. But, but with them right on our doorstep, I mean, if I was king, I would be like, okay, what have we got as far as weapons are concerned? What, what, what's, what's the military status? Are our soldiers in good nick? Are we going to be able to do this? Joseph doesn't do that. He, he, the ESV says, he set his face to seek the Lord. How often we, we are confronted with things in our lives, and then like the last thing we do is pray. We'll be rushing off to hospitals and we'll be, I mean, obviously if it's an emergency, huh? but, but, but we go to all these other things and then, oh yeah, did I think to pray? No. Like maybe we should go there first. And, and I love the fact that Jehoshaphat, he resolves to inquire of the Lord. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. We'll all come together. So when we enter into this week and there's a, a, a fast, that's not just for the select few. We must say, oh, I'm not, you know, not that serious a Christian. You know, I'm not one of those heavyweights. I don't fast. But as a community, we come together from all over. Like we're going to come together. We're going to stand together as um, uh, a community. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, this is now him praying, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now you are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a phrase. We've got no idea, but we're going to keep our eyes on you. That's the thing that we're going to resolve to do. We're going to be focused on you, and we're going to lean into you, and we're going to inquire of you. And the thing that I get from his prayer, which is quite challenging, because the bulk of it is actually a declaration of who God is. He's highlighting so many amazing things about God, and, and it's this like declaration of faith, and then right at the end, could you maybe help us? Like the petition comes. It's like 80-20. Mine's like normally flipped the other way. You know, it's like, God, you're amazing, but here's my list. And I think it's a great framework for us. It's good for us to realize, actually, it's more beneficial for us to proclaim who God is and the wonder of who he is than it is for us to be 
putting all our requests to him. Don't get me wrong. God wants to hear our requests. So petition is part of prayer. But, but when, when we don't focus on who he is and we just go into the requests, I mean, you know what it feels like when you're done with that prayer. I just felt like I just put all the things out there. But, I mean, you want to pray in a way where your heart is enlarged with the glory of heaven. And, and then, like, if you remember, you can kind of put some of those petitions out there. And, but it's almost like you don't even really feel like it's necessary anymore. Because it's like, hey, it's all sorted. God's on his throne. So get the order right. And then, and then there's just some things that I think is incredibly helpful in his prayer where he says, God, our God, are you not... It's a great question. I mean, it, he's asking it in the way of a question, but actually it's a statement. It's a declaration of faith. And I wonder how would you, how would you finish that sentence? Are you not? Dot, dot, dot. Who's God to you? Who is he? Are you not? Then he says, um, our God, did you not? You can underline this. Are you not is in verse 6. Verse 7, did you not? So now he's, he's, he's gone from focusing on who God is to, I'm going to recall all the things you've already done. Did you not? Dot, dot, dot. How would you fill in that space? And a little bit towards the end, he says, our God, in verse 12, will you not? Will you not judge them? Because we actually need to have a prayer life that focuses on who God is. Are you not? That focuses on what God has done for us. Did you not? And then with hope stirring in our hearts, knowing that he's taking us on. There is a, an eternal hope of glory that awaits us. We've read it. Uh, well, hopefully we have. In Revelation, we know how this is going to end. Will you not? How do you complete those sentences? I mean, if you just think of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us. So this is how you should pray. Our Father. Our Father. And don't go too quickly to the next line. Just stay there. Because when you realize he's my Father, he's my Heavenly Father, the all-compassionate one, the God of great comfort, the one who knows all and sees all and can do anything. He is my Father, our Father, who is in heaven, you over everything. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And, and that speaks to the progressive God just moving and, and, and taking more and more. And his kingdom progressively growing and expanding. And that's why we come together. That's why we plant churches. This is the heart of God. He's reaching men but we do know that there's a, a, a moment where his, his kingdom will come in its fullness. It's amazing how just in that first few lines, it's Jehoshaphat's prayer. Our God, are you not our heavenly Father? Our God, did you not deal with sin, deal with death, redeem me, bring me to a place where I can be your child? Will you not restore all things? Will your kingdom not come? Will you not restore all things? Will you not, with resurrection power, give us eternal life 
where we will be with you for all eternity. And this earth will be renewed and everything will be restored. I mean, ultimately, this is the space that we are in. And, and we get like so caught up with what we're dealing with and what this week has for us. And we, and we do have to face it. Like you've got to go through the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like I get that. But in your prayer life, allow the reality of heaven to just grow your heart and give you hope for the week that you're moving into. Something of a heavenly deposit where you know who God is, where you can reflect on what he's done and put hope in your heart and in your soul because of where he's taking you. What a great framework. Jehoshaphat's got this great prayer. And then ends off with, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So there's a fast happening this week. There's prayer meetings happening in the week. And I want to encourage the men. Yeah, men, listen to me. Lead your families. Lead your family and lead them well. Bring them here. Bring them to pray. Bring them. Help them on this journey of fasting. Might not be food for the kids. Maybe it's TV. Maybe whatever. But help them along the way. That, that says husbands, wives, children, and little ones. Did you notice that? And the little ones. So not even babies is an excuse. It will be good for them. They might not have a cooking clue what's going on here, but it will be good for them. Because in God... That's his design. They all came together. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jazeel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So just some random guy in the choir, a Levite. I don't know if Jazeel is anywhere else in the Bible. I haven't gone so far to check. But I, I just... There's something about when the Spirit of God rests on someone. And we must never write people off. Allow God to speak to you through the randomness of people and just people that you don't know. And it's not prominent and it's not a pastor. We get so fixated with, ah, the pastor's got to do everything. And No, like God's Spirit is in all of us. Allow Him to move. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I think sometimes in our language it would sound like we think the battle's still ours, and then we want to encourage one another, say, no, don't worry, God's going to help you in your battle, or he's going to fight your battle for you. This is, the battle's not even yours. It's his the battle's God's. Ah, where am I? Thank you. Tomorrow, march down against them. Sounds like a little bit of a contradiction there. The battle's not yours, it's God's. March down. <laughs> Why are we marching? Why don't we just sit on the couch? If, if, if God's going to do everything and it's his battle, why are we marching? Where, where, are, we, where are we going? What's going on here? See, God wants to partner with us. And as we march with him, he shows us more of himself. He grows us. Faith is on the increase. You get nothing from sitting at home on your couch watching TV. Temporal. 
I don't mind TV, by the way. Um, <laughs> tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeril. You will not have to fight this battle. Here it is again. Take up your position. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. I love his encouragement. And this is a prophetic word. So it's actually God saying, take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. So for me, take up your position is respond in obedience. Whatever God's saying, take up that position. Be in that position. Know what God wants. Know what he's saying. And then position yourself in that space. Respond in obedience. Stand firm is don't move away from there. Be unwavering in your conviction. Stay the course. That's the position God's given you. Stay there. And then see the deliverance. So God's actually saying, all you need to do is respond to me in faith, take up your position, stay there, and then become a joyful spectator of the work that I'm going to do. And, and, and I do know that we are instruments in God's hands, and he uses us. But I think f- far too often we focus on the instrument part, like we actually want to do the work. We want to be, and you know what's attached to it. It's like, ah, oh, there's a little bit of glory attached to that. It's like we want to do the work and we want to get recognized and we want to, but actually there's so many times in our lives that actually God wants to do everything and we can just see the deliverance. We can become a joyful spectator of his work. When we um, made the decision after God having spoken to us um, over quite a significant amount of time, it got to the point where I knew that this is what God wants us to do, and that's to plant a church, to plant a church in Stellenbosch. I won't go into the detail of how God um, spoke, but he spoke in a way that we knew. So we go live with this. It's announced to the church, and so it's like, wow, great. But as like the weeks unfold, you have conversations with people. So now we've responded in faith. We've taken up that position. But the challenges start to come because people have things that they have to say about church planting. People have some views of Stellenbosch and the culture of Stellenbosch. And that there's already 280 churches in Stellenbosch. It's a town. Why would you go there? And you know property prices. You, 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 you know, you know the, like, it's, it's twice as expensive from where we've come. That's, this is not what we're hearing. And you know the schools? They are chock-a-block. Don't think you're going to get your kids in there. And, and then it was true because I actually I went to Rhenish Primary, which is the only English uh, public school in the town. And there's not too many other options. A whole bunch of Afrikaans schools, but one English. And I go to Paul Ruiz for my oldest. He's in grade 10. And I get told on both accounts, I met with the principals, on both accounts, they said, don't hold your breath. Please, we just want to manage your expectation. Paul Ruiz had a, had a waiting list of 30. This is for grade 10. It's not new intake. It's not grade 8. So 30 
with an already full capacity coming from grade 9 to grade 10. So what, they, what they're hoping for, for the guys on the waiting list, is that someone's going to fail or someone's going to leave the school and, and let that happen 30 times. And when I handed in our application 31 times. So he's number 31 on the waiting list. And all of these things are just coming at us. And having taken that position, responding in obedience, we now had to hold the line. We had, we had to be unwavering in our conviction. And I had to constantly remind myself. And Antoinette and I were constantly having conversations. And in one week, particularly this one week, we, we, we came to um, Stellenbosch sometime early in September. And um, we we're going to fly on the Thursday, we did. And um, on the Monday of that week, I was having a serious wobble. I was like, oh, gee, I don't know if we're doing the right thing. I don't know if I've heard God. I don't know how this is all going to work. But, but I've got to stay the course. But maybe I should just start looking at some other applications. Maybe we should just, like wisdom, you know. We did feel like God just said, just apply there. But, but now I'm like making my little plans. And maybe we should apply there. Maybe we should apply there. And it's like outside of Stellenbosch. That's the Monday. The Tuesday I get an email from Renish to say, John and Rosie's been accepted. The Wednesday I get an email from Paul Roost to say that Mark has been accepted. The Thursday we land and the lady that opened up for us for the Airbnb through our story says, hey, I know someone connects us. That's the lady that we are now renting from. Her house wasn't even in the market yet. She just knew that she was going to put her house on the rental market. And we went that afternoon on the Thursday and concluded it. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You see, now I didn't do anything. I didn't break any doors down. I didn't get them into the school. I wasn't the one that found the house. The house found us. And, and, and that week, I was just a joyful spectator. Because you respond to God, you take up that position of obedience, you stay unwavering in that conviction, and then just see how God can do what only He can do and will do. How am I doing time wise, Gabe? Help me here. Uh, I'm just worried about the next guy. Where am I now? What did you say? Mulderson. 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down. Thank you. With his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Jehoshaphat here is incredibly helpful. Because what he's actually telling us is there's two kinds of faith. Have faith in the Lord your God, who he is. And have faith in his prophets, what he says. Do, do you get that? Because I think too often, when I listen to Christians, we're quick to um, have faith in who God is, but we do it without an understanding of what God's saying about something. So we have an expectation. So we might be going through stuff. We have a desired outcome. We want it to end like this. That's in our head or in our heart, and it's our desire. And then we just put a, our faith in who God is. 
and, and we, and we get into that space of claiming it. Let's claim it. Because our God is powerful. And He's good. And He's faithful. And you're right with all of those things. But is that desired outcome the one that God wants? Because if it's different to your desired outcome, then you're praying on the long, wrong line. And, and when you inquire of God, you're actually wanting to hear God's voice. You're wanting to hear what is it that you are saying. I mean, his, his word is his voice. And his promises are all in there. So those are helpful things to know and why we need to be in the word. But over and above that, if you consider like what we've just been through in terms of planting a church, that I didn't find that directly in scripture god used scripture and he used other things to talk to me and he actually spoke in a way that i knew it was him speaking and when i respond to him in faith i'm responding to him in faith in who he is but also what he said and i've got to go back to those scriptures that he's given me and 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 say you said this god you sent me here i'm going to be the joyful spectator but we need to know that we need to have faith in who God is. And that speaks to his power and, and his providence. But also we need to have faith in what he says, which speaks to his promise and his purpose. Get on his page. Don't just have faith in who he is and then get upset when things don't turn out the way you wanted it to be. Like God's at fault. Get on his page. Hear from him. And walk that line. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You know that the leading unit of, of a military campaign when they went to war, the leading unit is called the vanguard. The vanguard unit. And it was always the strongest soldiers, the most skilled, the guys that you would put in front. But here Jehoshaphat doesn't put the best soldiers. He calls the worship team. So you go in front. You be the vanguard. And you might have heard it before, you know, when you're going through a storm and, you know, you just need to praise God. He says, oh, fight my battle. But <laughs> I'm not a singer. Um, but the, the reality is that's not an application of a formula. It's like, hey, if you're going through stuff, just praise God because when you do, he sorts things out. They are looking forward, but their praise is coming from what's gone behind. Like what's, what's, what's just happened is we have prayed in a way where we are hearing God and we are seeing something of who he is. Our hearts are full because we have an understanding of who God is and what he is saying. Are you not did you not? Will you not? You've spoken. You've said the battle's yours. As a result of those things welling up, they can now praise him. Despite the fact that they don't have the victory yet. So don't apply it as a formula. Praise God out of an expression of faith. Which comes from spending time with him and hearing him and seeing this is what he's on about. This is, this is how he's working and what he's doing. So there is a victory coming and, and there's praise that will be expressed after that that's the victory praise but there's two kinds of faith and two kinds of praise vanguard praise is what i would call it i don't have a better term for it vanguard praise 
because of what has gone before. From a place of devotion. You know, it's almost like if we have a guaranteed safe landing, then all's good. I, I was sitting next to someone on a plane, and we had some serious turbulence, like the, the, the kind that would make people worry, like this isn't going to end well. And, and, and the woman that was next to me, she put her nails into my arm, where... Like, the turbulence was the least of my worries. I was like, but I thought afterwards, can you imagine we were in a simulator and we went through the exact, like, turbulence and the chairs were rocking and things were, but as a simulator, what would she be like? She'd be like, hey, where's the popcorn? This is, this is fun. This is a great ride. Because what? She knows how things are going to end. She knows the landing. She knows it's safe. But when you're 35,000 feet up in the sky, you don't know how things are going to end. And so she's like, ah. But when you start praying, will you not? And you start to see something of God's hand and his favor and his love for you and his hope that he puts in your heart. And you know how things are going to end. Ultimately, we might not know the details, but our eyes are on you. So you live differently. You live with hope. You live with faith. Because you have something of what's lying ahead. And so you can praise God despite the circumstances. Because of who he is, what he's done, and where he's taking us. None of that gets taken away by battles that we might face. In fact, it actually comes to the surface and it becomes more real for us. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord said, set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. Got to love the language of the Bible. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So you have three nations coming together to attack Judah. They're marching to a spot, and while that's going on, God puts confusion among the ranks, and they turn on one another, and they literally slaughter one another. Only God can do that. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards, toward the vast army, they saw, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. So not only did they survive this battle, they were enriched through it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Boom. See, that's God's heart for us, is that we live in peace 
with rest on every side. That's why we have the gospel. That's God's heart expressed in love where he sends his son to give us peace. Where he gives us rest on every side. See, Jesus came and actually took the battle, made it his, conquered sin, conquered the enemy, conquered death. And his heart for us is that we would live in a place of peace, God's peace, a deposit from heaven with rest on every side, that we can march and walk and, and, and be with God and allow him to lead us in a way where our lives would be instruments but also joyful spectators of God's work and that we could have faith as our armor and praise as our vanguard, seeing how God is extending his kingdom and how our lives can be a part of that. I want to be a part of that story. Just with hope increase, on the increase in my heart, faith on the increase in my heart, knowing with a certainty, God affirmation, a validation of my identity, and knowing that's why we focus on the gospel. That's why we read our Bible. It's to hear the gospel. We're not looking for morals. This is what you did. This is where you're taking us. And allow that to rise up. But in our own devotion in our own space where we get to become like come before God and just inquire of him may he put those things in our hearts where we live differently to this world where where circumstances are, are not great and things are happening and bulls are being passed and tragedies all around but we actually live in a different way but not because we're great but because he's great and we, and we just get to tuck in and we just get to lean in and use something of this story to help us to, to, to frame how we pray, what we pray, and why we praise, and when we praise. Amen. Thank you.